This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 137. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Well, hello, Kelly Hurst. This is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. I'm so looking forward to taking my marriage to the next level. Well, this is part two of an episode called Too Much Busyness. Mm. From the old Berenstein Bear books that we read to our kids when they were little. Too much busyness. Not good. Well, we talked a little bit in the last episode about what are some indicators of being too busy and what is, you know, frankly, what does too much busyness do to our lives, mm-hmm. do to our marriages? And we wanted to wait and talk about how do we make those corrections? Mm-hmm. And so we've got some cures for being too busy in life, and we want to kind of jump into those now. So, yeah. So, I think one thing you want to do is to kind of look at all the things you're involved in, re-examine all of those activities. You know, both work and recreation, and then the just obligations you have to maybe family or what. What are all the things that you're connected to? Do you have to do all of them? Do you ha- or mm. do you have to do everything that you're currently doing? Mm. Is now the season that you need to be doing all of these things, or would it make more sense to spread these things out over time? Right. And you know, it's interesting. Our children, they learn from us. Mm-hmm. You know, our yep. our two kids who are now grown adults and starting their own families, they were little sponges mm-hmm. and just caught everything we did. Mm-hmm. They were so observant. Uh, and that that's typically how children are. If they see that we're constantly overscheduled, if they see that we're running around with our tongues dragging out, you know, they're they're gonna more likely value that mm-hmm. and tend to repeat those same mistakes the same way. Overscheduled adults will raise overscheduled kids who become overscheduled adults. I think that's one thing I feel like we definitely had seasons in our life where we were too busy. But I think overall, when I look back to how we raised our kids, I think we were a pretty good influence on them because I notice neither of them overschedule their Mm -hmm. lives. They're pretty good at making space, making time, for what they prioritize. And I I feel like that because we would say a lot at our house, like with them growing up, we'd go, oh, we are too busy. We got to scale back. And we, it's one of those things you kind of have to tweak and retweak, you know, mm-hmm. and correct and course correct. But I think that was something that we modeled in a fairly healthy way for them. Yeah, but it begs the question, how, how are we doing now? You know, I mean, we've been empty nesters for yeah. almost a decade, but now we're grandparents and mm-hmm. we're driving clear across town to, to help, which we love doing. Yeah. I mean, it's a high value for us. Yeah. Uh, but again, there's only so much we can do and do well, uh-huh. you know. And well, like just this, just this semester, I was asked to help volunteer with a particular area at our church. And I really wanted to do it. I had mm-hmm. done it before and mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. You loved it. But I just had to, I, I had to say this 
this season, I can't because I'm working full time. We t- we help with our grandbabies. That's a huge priority. And so even though it was a very good opportunity that I would have thoroughly enjoyed, mm-hmm. I also knew my limitations and felt felt okay about going, mm, this just isn't the right year for me to do that. So it's looking for the season where you can do that well. Yeah, for sure. Right. There's what's a pro tip on re-examining your activities? Well, I think the obvious thing to consider first is maybe it's time to let go of something, you know, that's on your schedule already. And then, you know, you've kind of helped me with this over the years. Uh, Not, not that I always do this, but an idea is to give yourself 24 hours before saying yes or no to something. Mm -hmm. It used to be when I got asked to do something or, or be part of something, it would be an automatic yes or Mm -hmm. an automatic no. I would just quickly make that decision. Mm -hmm. Been helpful for me as a spouse to say, you know, I, I think I'm available, but mm-hmm. let me check with my wife. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that. I really want to check with you yeah. and see if this is going to work well for me, if it's going to work well for us, if it's going to work well for our family. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got something brewed up family-wise that I haven't heard about yet. Uh-huh. And if I've already committed to, you know, a wedding or a funeral or something else that... Um, mm-hmm going to cause an issue. Yeah. I'm a big believer too. And life can't always work out this way, but I try to curate my schedule so that if we do have a big event or like a big wedding weekend or something, Uh I try to make sure there's a little margin before and after that event, just to have some breathe time if possible. Sometimes we're prepping for an event and so we're writing content and we're, mm-hmm. you know, organizing the event. So on the front end, we may not have any downtime at all. But after it's over, I like to make sure there's maybe a day where I just don't have a lot going on, maybe not a lot of meetings or appointments. You're giving yourself a cushion mm-hmm. so that you can prepare do the things that you're about to do, mm-hmm. prepare for them well and then hopefully do them well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. I think another thing that's important is to assess the cost and not just financial costs, but assess the cost in time. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that energy? You know, mm-hmm. uh, what is that going to, how's that going to set you back mm-hmm. for things that are coming up? You know, Jesus talked in the gospels about counting the cost of building a tower, mm-hmm. you know, so certainly it's a financial exercise, but yeah. it's also a time exercise. It's a energy exercise. It's a, a resource exercise. It's a, a person power, actually, you know, all these types of yeah. things that, that you need to consider. Even tacking on things like the commute to right. where you're, where you know, so is, it a, is it a 30 minute drive there and back? Well, that's an hour out of your day. Right. You know, so even things like that on the front and back end of whatever the commitment is, is important to assess. Yeah. And in Houston, 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. You can't get anywhere in 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, 30 so minutes is just is a simple commute. Worse, yeah. You know? and, and also just that you have to remember that every time you say yes to some something, good or not, you're saying no to something else. So it's that opportunity cost that, mm-hmm. that you have to consider mm-hmm. in every decision that you make. And that, I think that's why it's important to, to have, you know, married couples have an advantage of having a spouse to mm-hmm. ask have somebody that you can bounce these things off of and just say, do you think this is the right decision? Do you think this is the right time? Mm -hmm. Do you think this is uh, a good use, the best use of my time right now Yeah, based on what you know about me? Yeah. What's my best yes? You know, Mm -hmm. because I've always said we we have 
opportunities to do a thousand good things. Right. There's always a need somewhere, some right. volunteer place to, you know, but it needs to be what's going to be the best for our our time and our priorities. Yeah. And so what we're not saying is we're not talking about shirking responsibility. We're not talking about not using your gifts and mm-hmm. all that other kind of thing, but, but you want to do what you say yes to well. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you can't possibly say yes to everything. Yeah, no, uh, you have a limited amount of time mm-hmm. and energy. So that kind of takes us from talking about us as married couples, as individuals, you know, being careful with our own schedule. But I think it really, for a lot of couples, particularly ones that are raising kids, it comes down to what activities are your children involved in? You know, are they overscheduled? Have you right. signed them up for too much stuff? Like you were talking about Caleb and his mush night. <laughs> the mush he, night, wanting the mush night, when yeah. When he was playing baseball around the clock. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Sometime during the 1980s, there was a sociological shift in American parenting. Mm-hmm. And parents as a whole became deathly afraid for their children to have idle time. Because we're so competitive and we want to... Yeah, I mean, be advocates for our kids and make sure they get into the best school, the best volleyball camp, the best everything. Mm-hmm. But it was also things like, you know, there was a war on drugs that was raging. And so I think parents got very protective of their children's downtime. They didn't want them to ever get right. bored or idle because that's the devil's playground. And, you know, there was also by that time, most households or many households were a two income household. And so rather than kids having to come home from school to an empty house, they would sign them up for sports teams and music lessons and after school programs and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. It's just kind of a shift. At some point, I feel like the pendulum has to swing back a little bit mm-hmm. from parents being o- over-scheduling their kids. Maybe we're moving into that season now, but- Well, like we said, the pandemic, that was one of the mm-hmm. silver linings, if you can find one, of yep. the pandemic was that it slowed everybody down a little bit. And yeah. Made, not only helped people purge material things and so forth, but it helped them consider- the decisions they were making with their time. Yeah, because when we overschedule and overstimulate our kids, we chip away at things like their creativity, their resourcefulness, their ability to just entertain themselves, their daydreaming time. I mean, think about all the time, Brett, when you and I were kids. I mean, there was just time to like daydream. Well, we were riding our bikes everywhere, That's so true. a lot, lot of time on your bike to think about things. You know, and when we overschedule them, we teach them to be uncomfortable with silence, uncomfortable with being still, uncomfortable with solitude. But all of those things are good for the soul, kind of things. Right. And when we when we have our kids going from one thing to the next to the next with no downtime. I don't know, we might be setting them up for some failure in, in adulthood, but there are a thousand good things out there. It doesn't mean your kids have to participate in all of them. I, I remember in a specific example of some friends of ours years and years ago when we started having children, they, they had their one or their first two babies and they had a very um, clear goal that they wanted every one of their children to participate in four kind of spheres of life. So they wanted them to 
do something at school that was outside of academics. They wanted them to play a musical instrument. They wanted them to play on a sports team. And then they wanted them to be involved in either church work or civil, you know, scouts or something like that. It was a wonderful goal. Well, they ended up having four kids. (laughs) So by the time those four kids had their four things, that's 16 extracurricular activities every week mm-hmm. that this, these parents were running them like, uh, you know, they were just a, a, a limousine service. And then what if one of the, what if three of the teachers assigned science projects? Exactly. And that wasn't even counting homework and yeah. being with the family and having time with friends. I mean, it just, the idea sounded beautiful on paper, mm-hmm. but when it came to like real life, that became like a, a huge, you know, maybe even a burden. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we always ask people this question, what drives you to stay too busy? Are you feeling obligated to be too busy because that's what society expects? Mm -hmm. High achieving people are busy people. That's what we tell ourselves anyway. Well, and busyness promotes uh, adrenaline and adrenaline addiction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we've talked about this many times before, I think over the years that, you know, adrenaline is designed to help us in the short run achieve pretty extraordinary things, Mm -hmm. but we're not designed to run on adrenaline all the time. It's it's a killer. It kills us over, over long periods of time. So we've got to care for ourselves in a way to get us off that adrenaline crack, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could even ask the questions, you know, am I avoiding problems at home Hmm. by staying so busy? I remember distinctly when my mom was starting her business when I was in high school, my parents' marriage happened to be not great. And I remember her spending just hours and hours and hours at this business that she was starting up. And, you know, some of that is to be expected. You're starting a new business. Uh But it was also clear she didn't want to be home Mm -hmm. because things were bad between she and my dad. So we sometimes even have to ask ourselves that question. You know, Mm -hmm. are things okay at home that we're Mm -hmm. just, or is that our temptation to say yes to everything? Does it define your self-worth? You know, some of us are just like, if I'm not busy, who am I? Right. And that's not a terribly healthy place to be. But those kind of questions can help us figure out, why do I say yes to everything? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I know people in my own life who they enjoy so much being the go-to person that if someone were to come to them and ask them, they wouldn't even know how to say no. Mm-hmm, right. A- that- and I'm constantly telling people, like, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> you don't <laughs> right. have to give an explanation. You don't have to. You don't have to be mean about it, but... There's, if you are a go-to person, people will go to you yep. till they kill you. Yep. <laughs> That's, you're, con- you're conditioning them to expect <laughs> you to do it. Exactly. Another thing we talk about with couples is to examine your language. You know, this is something I learned the hard way. Do you tell everyone how busy you are? Mm-hmm. Do you wear your busyness like a badge of honor? Where I learned my lesson on this was Many years ago, your sis, one of your sisters, my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. called me. She, they lived pretty close. And she asked me to help her out with a favor. I don't remember their car was in the shop or it was something not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And when she called me, she kept apologizing over herself because she said, oh my gosh, I hate to ask. I know how busy you and Brett are, wow. but this is the last thing I would want to do would be to ask you. And I wanted to go, 
I've got time to come and take you where you need to go. Like, and I thought to myself, is that my language? Mm. Am I communicating that, that I am so busy right. that even a family member doesn't feel okay about calling me? That was not okay with me. If people assume that about you, then maybe maybe your language needs to change. Exactly. And and point. mine, I remember that being a, a marker in my life of, mm-hmm. you know, people ask me now, oh, how are things going? And if I'm busy, I'll say, I'm busy, but it's a good busy. Right. You know, I really don't wear that. Oh, I'm so busy. I just, oh, right. you know, it's exhausting to even say it. Yeah. And, and I think that leads to this comment, you know, just about how important it is to build into your schedule time for yourself, you know, time for your marriage, time for your family, quality time. A lot of people say, well, it's Quality time over quantity time. You need both. Yeah. Quality and quantity time. Yeah. And what really does feed your soul? Because, you know, right now we're in this cultural thing where every time I go on Pinterest, there's like a million things about girls night at the wine bar, da, 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 da. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Go out with your girlfriends. But if you think that that's really caring for your soul, I doubt that does what we're talking about. I'm talking about really just like having time that's, where it's quiet, where you have some solitude, where you can reflect on what God's doing in your life. And it's, it's even okay to just stare out the window and, oh, and do nothing. Say, or <laughs> think of how many times in our marriage we've been married a long, long time now 35 years. And I'll say, So, Cal, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. You'll say, Absolutely nothing. Yes. And I get jealous, like, <laughs> Wow, how do you do that? Because there's an art to it. And, and I'm not kidding. I, I want to learn from you. I want to sit at your feet and learn how to th- absolutely nothing. think sweet nothing thoughts because we need to declutter our brains. For sure. Oh my gosh. I remember years and years ago when our kids were in elementary school and it came around for the Lenten season, you know, right before Easter. And uh, I wanted something that we could give up or do as a family. And so I made the executive decision that we would give up TV for Lent. I don't know if you remember this. I think I Sarah may have been like in fourth grade or something. We, we haven't talked pretty young. about this in a long time. But. And so for the 40 days, I think we made the I think we made the allowance that we could watch some TV on the weekends, but like Monday through Friday, we were not gonna have the TV on. Yeah. And I remember the first three or four days, I mean, Sarah and Caleb were just like miserable. Major withdrawal. They'd come home from school. Why can't we watch Full House? You know, and they just wanted (laughs) to like watch their shows and the Disney channel was real popular with them at the time. And it wasn't long though, before our house just became the sweetest, like we'd play board games and play cards or just, or the four of us member would sit in the living room and just read. We had a life. Oh man, it was awesome. And so I remember looking back on that and thinking that started out kind of rough, uh-huh. but it ended up being a really sweet time. I wonder what Sarah and Caleb would say to that if I asked them if if they remember that season of doing that. Well, let's ask them. <laughs> so, you know, I want to close with this. Most of us have about 4,000 weeks on this earth. That seems like a lot. It's not. No. I mean, you and I, we have way less than that now. Do we really want to spend them running around overcommitted, stressed out? There's just too much beauty in life to miss out on, but we have got to stop and no one's going to do this for us. Mm-hmm. We are the curator of this. We've got to figure this out. I think about how many funerals you do, Brett, where people just don't 
the last thing they say is not, I wish, I wish I had closed more deals at work or wish I had made more money. It's never about that. It's about the things that we say are important, but we don't walk it out, Mm -hmm. flesh it out. Yeah. So I hope everyone's enjoyed these two parts on too much busyness and that it'll inspire people to, to grab that little part of the early pandemic of that we were all grateful for. Hope you've been unwinding in these last two episodes <laughs> well, as my cell phone is buzzing me <laughs> frantically right now. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. Uh, also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'd like to give a special thank you to Podcast Rocket for producing this episode. Well, thank y'all so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.